What's up, Real Church? Excited about today. We're starting a new series titled Foundations. Whenever you're moving into a new season, it's really important to go back and reinforce the foundations so that whatever you build off of, it's built off of the right foundation. And the only foundation to build off of is Christ. And really the only thing to build with is Christ. So I know this is going to encourage you. Part one is salvation. This with you. We're entering into a new series called Foundations. Um, in a season of transition, when a sports team's about to go into a new season, they go back and they review the basics, review the foundations. It's important to reinforce the foundations so that you're ready to grow, so that you're ready for what's next. Amen. So we're going to start a new series titled Foundations today, okay? And I'm going to spend today talking about salvation. Now, the series is going to be, number one, salvation. Two, a transformed life. What does salvation look like moving forward? Three, prayer. Now, three could be the next one as well because Daniel's speaking whenever my wife goes into um, labor um, because she's about to have a a baby if you couldn't tell. And, and so prayer uh, is communication with God, but I mean, communication is I'm speaking to him, but I'm also hearing from him, right? Learning to hear his voice. How can you pray his will if you don't hear him? Next, 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 together we. There's importance. Part of the foundational teachings of Christianity is being together. This is not a private religion. It's a private relationship that impacts everyone publicly. Right? But publicly, we can know him together too. Together we. What's next? Holy Spirit. Big deal. It's a part of the foundation of who we are. So we've been talking about that. Next is the normal Christian life. Not, not what everybody thinks a normal Christian is, but what does this say a normal Christian is? Let's raise the bar back to normal. All right? After that is sowing. Why? Because as a Christian, we sow our time, talents, and treasure into what he says to do. And then after that is go. The Great Commission. When you're, you're strong in your foundations, now go minister. And you can start to minister. You can start to go in your daily life from day one as a brand new believer. Maturity doesn't come first and then you go minister. Actually, you mature as you minister. And if you haven't been ministering, you probably haven't been maturing. It's time for you to get out of your comfort zone and share what Jesus has done in your life, even if that's just your testimony. Because as you give out, he gives too. Yeah? Yeah? You, you mature as you minister. Amen? So, salvation. We're going to start with salvation. And I got to start with this. I, I was a bit shaken yesterday. Yesterday was tough. I was here riding uh, my bike with my, my little six-year-old and my nine-year-old. Eden Rose was getting stronger and riding her bike, and it was awesome and fun. Then we went to Mike and Angie's house to swim a little bit, and um, they're getting stronger and swimming. It was just a great time with the kids. But then I get home at 2.30, and I uh, didn't even have time to change out of my swimsuit. Five minutes later, my neighbor runs in frantic. Come, Dave. Come, Dave. I'm running. I'm following him. I go in, and in the back room of his house, there is his mother laying on the bed. 911's on the phone. He's frantic, end up doing chest compressions, and she was already dead. That was yesterday. 
so the rest of the day is spending time comforting the family and encouraging and processing. So what are we saved from? Salvation. What's the purpose of salvation? What are we saved from? We're saved from death. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from death. It's appointed once for all men to die. Every one of you, all, all people, are, you're going to die physically. Unless Jesus comes back before that. You're going to die. And then there's judgment. So we'll all stand before Jesus, or the Father. We'll all stand before the Father, the great judgment, and we'll either go into life or what's called the second death, where it's eternal death, not, not nothingness. Death is not nothingness, by the way. Death is not nothingness. God is life, right? So separation from God is... You're eternal. You're either going to live eternally with him or you're going to live eternally separated from him. Now, if God is life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, faithfulness is in there somewhere. I mean, that's the fruit of who he is. So, so to be separated from God who is life, God who is love, God who is goodness is to be the opposite, in, in a place with the opposite of love, of joy, of peace, with hate and, and despair, it's torture. It's going to be hell. Hell's real, guys. It's a real place. Fiery torment. It wasn't created for you. It wasn't created for you to be there. That is not God's will. God's will is not that you die. God's will is that you live forever. John 17, 3, eternal life is knowing God. It's a relationship with him, and eternal life can start now. Salvation is saved from death, saved from separation from God. That's what salvation is. It's saved to a relationship with him where he impacts every aspect of your life. For God so loved the world, not just this person and this person and this person. Actually, in John chapter 17, verses 23 through 26, who, do, who does God love? The world. Everyone. Watch this, John 17, verse 23 says, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Why does God offer salvation to the world? Because he loves the world as much as he loves Jesus. Whether you're running from him right now or not, whether you're in sin and, and living as if you hate God and somebody drug you here, you're a witch and, and you're, you're actually just here to whatever. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, even you. He, that's what it says, right? 
He loves you as much as he loved the world. That's why he gave his son to die for you in your place. It is a free gift. A gift requires two things. A gift requires a giver and a receiver. Some of this, for, for a lot of you, is review. It's important for you to understand this so you can explain it too. A giver and a receiver. The gift has already been given for the whole world. But there's many people who don't believe that gift is for me, so they die separated for eternity from the gift. Or they say, you know what, I don't want the gift. Whatever the case, they die separated eternity from the, eternally from the gift when it wasn't God's will. It's not God's will that any should perish, that any should die separated from him. Somebody dies and doesn't know him and goes. See, love requires a choice. God is love, right? It requires a choice. So he gives you the choice whether or not to choose him. Because he wants you to love him too. If he obligated you to walk with him, then it's not love, it's obligation. If he forces you, he doesn't force you. He presents himself to you. He gives you opportunity after opportunity. And if you won't see him, here's what'll happen. He'll let your sin play itself out until you hit rock bottom so that you look up. And that's even out of love because in your own pride, you're not looking to him. So he lets your choices play out until you hit some type of rock bottom and look up. And then in his grace, he comes and saves you in that moment. But if you again say, no, not your will, mine be done, he lets your sin play out and over and over is casting you lifeline. Why? Because he loves you and he cares for you. Salvation saved from our own sin from our own choices, from our own mistakes, or our own disbelief because of whatever's happened to us because of what somebody else's sin. Amen? Saved. Are, and I, it's important for you guys to know this, and I think a lot of real church knows it, but maybe you don't if you just started coming. Are you a sinner because you sin? Most people would say yes, right? I've sinned a lot, so I'm a sinner. No, you sin because you're a sinner. What you do flows from who you are. It's very important to understand, and I'll just show you in Scripture. Um, and this is a major part of salvation, just to understand moving forward. Romans chapter 5, verse 19 says, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. You're not a sinner because you sinned. You're a sinner because one man sinned. Because in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. Their nature to choose not God was passed to you. So when you were born, you were born with a nature to choose not God. And because of who you were born as, you sinned growing up. Some may be less than others. Nevertheless, every two-year-old steals. And you ask them about it, and every two-year-old lies. 
There's a nature. So you, you not only have to be saved from your you have to be saved from yourself, not just your sin. You have to be saved from yourself. There's a heart issue. So Jesus came because we could never make it to him. God, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to save us from ourselves because we couldn't ever be good enough. Salvation. Every other religion is you, get, you try to make it to God to be good enough. But the problem is in your heart. You can never be good enough. That's why every other religion is false. Every other religion is false. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't respect other religions. I love the people. I'll listen to them. I'll listen to what they believe and why they believe it. And I'll have compassion on them. And I'll care about them. But I don't respect what they believe because it's false. I love them. By the way, if, if that's you, I love you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you truth. Jesus, God so loved you that he sent his son because you can't save yourself. But you have to recognize that. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 4 says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Think of that in salvation terms. You get what you deserve. <laughs> However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. God doesn't justify those who think that they're godly enough based on what they did. He justifies those who recognize that in and of themselves they're ungodly. I'm not like you and I could never be in and of myself, so I need you. Amen? So then we come to our point where I need to be saved from me. Jesus, I believe you died in my place. You rose again. You died as my sin. You died as me on that cross. And you rose again, showing that that pay payment was good enough so I could receive your life. I confess you as Lord. That's what the Bible says. Believe in your heart. He died and rose again. Confess him as Lord. What you're saying is, moving forward, I don't know what's best. I'm going to follow you. My life's not going to be Lord. The good feelings from you aren't going to be Lord. Church isn't going to be Lord. My sin's not going to be, you're going to be Lord. I'm going to follow you. And I might get it wrong, but I know you're, you, you have saved me in that moment. In that moment, you're born again. Amen? Amen? That's the beginning. Do you want me to stop here? Or can I get, get four more minutes? Five, five? Anybody give me five? Ten? Ten? All right, that's 15 together. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was an auctioneer for a little. No. All right. Um, so there you're born again in that moment. And that's the beginning. A lot of people say, stay there. And they never grow on to maturity. Because they still think they're filthy, rotten sinners. When you're born again, the filthy, rotten sinner died. Amen. 
So if you're born again and you say you're a filthy, rotten sinner, you're confessing that Jesus did nothing. So if you're a Christian, never say that again. John 1. Verse 14, 13, well, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So no longer children of Adam, but children of God. In a moment, instant, new creation. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but of, uh, or a husband's will, but born of God. So literally, God's nature is now in you. So you have a new heart. You have God's heart. You have a bent towards righteousness instead of towards evil. Now the problem is in your mind. It has to be renewed to the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus. So now you can either believe what the gospel says about you or believe what your past says about you, Amen. right? Righteousness, right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him, are you in him? You might become the righteousness of God. So when God looks at you, he sees right standing with him. It takes faith to believe that. It takes unbelief to say, but I just did this. Yeah? When I, when I meet a, a Christian on the street, I find out that they're a Christian. You know what the first thing I, say, I ask them? I say, hey, I got this, you know, if I get in the conversation, God gives me the grace, I'll say, um, I'll say, uh, how righteous are you? I'll, I will. I'll just pull it out. And, and it catches them off guard, but it's great because I love it. And they're like, oh, well, not, not really that much. And, and you know how I respond? I respond by telling them how forgiven they are. Romans chapter four, verse eight says, blessed is the person whose sin is never counted against them. Who is the person whose sin is never counted against them? Who? It's not Jesus. Jesus never sinned. Who is the person whose sin is never counted against them? It's the person who put their faith in Jesus. Why? Because your sin was forever counted against Jesus' blood. Now, the reason I do that when I find a Christian is because of this, and, and I'll be done, and we'll go into the transformed life next week. Really. I'm not just being preacher on you here. Sure. <laughs> All right, 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you guys to go home and read this. Um, it's important. Verse 5, it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to your self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to your godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Kind of like, that's like Peter's version of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Faithfulness, godliness, like all this awesome, cool Jesus stuff. For if you possess these in qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's someone that's growing in these things. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Someone who's nearsighted is focused on themselves or blind. They can't even see. Forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Most Christians I, I see aren't 
a lot, or a lot of Christians that I talk with are not producing that kind of fruit. They, they, they were born again, or at least they tell me they were, so I'm going to assume that they were. Born again, and, but, but I don't see godliness in their life, or I don't see this in their life. It's not, it's not flowing out of them, right? So what is the first thing that I do? I remind them that they're forgiven, because they've simply forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. That's why there's no fruit. But when they remember they're forgiven, now they can walk with the Father again in relationship, and you can't know him without being transformed to be like him. But if I don't think I'm forgiven, I'm not going to walk with him. And so that's the starting place of maturity, is understanding that you're forgiven and right standing with him. The way to grow to maturity, Hebrews 5.13, that's the verse, by the way, Hebrews 5.14, the way to grow to maturity is by constant use. It's by doing what he says day in and day out. Oh, you can't grow to maturity without obedience. But you can't be obedient without understanding you're forgiven. So I understand he's, I'm forgiven, but I don't just sit there. I do what he says. And until I do what he says, I'm not growing in maturity. I'll be going in a circle. Amen? You're forgiven. You're loved by God. He cares for you. Walk with him. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today to the Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us slash giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church Global. God bless you, and the best is yet to come.